At 26 shirts, a different Buffalo-themed design is sold every two weeks. 52 divided by 2 is 26, hence the name 26 shirts. Here's the best part. For every shirt sold, a donation is made to either a local family in need or a worthy charity. Since 2013, their designs have managed to raise and donate over $650,000. Head over to 26shirts.com and see what cause needs you this week. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. What's going on, everyone? How you doing? Welcome to episode 166 of the Moranalytics Podcast, presented today by our friends over at 26 Shirts. Head over to 26shirts.com and see what worthy cause that you could help support. Today is Friday, the first day of November. Thank you, as always, for listening and for downloading. If you have yet to subscribe to this future award-winning podcast, please go ahead and do that right now. Also, next time you're browsing around, you're on YouTube, whether you're messing around with your laptop, your phone, whatever, hit up the Moranalytics Podcast YouTube channel. There you'll find plenty of highlight clips from current and past podcast episodes. But more importantly than that, plenty of original audio content that you're not going to find anywhere else, including this podcast. And then one more thing, and then I'll get into what's going on with today's episode, which is a good one. You can now win some pretty cool stuff just by following me on Twitter. I started a prize pack giveaway series on my Twitter this past week. Where I'm going to be working with the sponsoring company on a prize pack giveaway. Going to be trying to do it every week. The only thing that you need to do on your end to be eligible to win the prize is go to my Twitter, which if you're not following me already, it's at Pat Tweets. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And you just got to follow the simple instructions on the tweet, which simply put is make sure that you're following myself on Twitter. Make sure that you are following the company that is sponsoring the prize pack giveaway on Twitter. And then just retweet that tweet out. That's it. And that tweet will always be pinned at the top of my timeline, the one that's going on for that week. The contests are starting on Monday mornings. And the winner will be announced late on Friday afternoons. This week, the prize pack sponsor is Macy's Place Pizzeria. And the prize to the lucky winner is a double order of chicken wings and a large pizza, which obviously is a hell of a family dinner to get right there. From, quite literally, by the way, one of the best and one of the most fast-rising places to get wings in all of Western New York. And I'm not exaggerating. Their rise has been kind of like meteoric. They've went from unknown place to trendy place in just a matter of a couple months. I'd like to take at least a tiny bit of credit for that as well. If you remember over the summer, I tried 23 different places for wings during my much-documented trip to Buffalo this past summer. and. Macy's was quite literally number one on my list for that trip. 23 places, new places. Now is my favorite place. And they're in my top 10 overall out of, I think, 71 places that I've had as a whole. So anyway, again, all you have to do to be eligible to win is go to the tweet that is pinned on my profile. Make sure you're following both me and that week's sponsor on Twitter and retweet it out. 
And the winner, of course, will be verified. We'll make sure that you are following both of us and that you retweeted it out. I can't say that I'm going to have a prize pack giveaway every single week, but I'm working hard on making that happen. Next week, I already got something lined up with Buff on Weck, which is an apparel company, and they're going to be providing two really nice Buffalo-related pieces of apparel for the giveaway. So again, at Pamoran Tweets, and just keep checking my tweets for contest details. Now, I got all that out of the way, so let's get into today's show. A very good one, man. I got two guys who are really starting to leave their mark on the Buffalo Bills podcasting scene. I got both Nick and Bruce Nolan from the Nick and Nolan Show, a very popular podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings Network, and they're going to be joining me today. Now, these guys, at least in my eyes and in my ears, have quite literally come out of nowhere it seems and they're putting on one of the best buffalo bills content podcasts that i've heard anywhere in quite a while comes out every wednesday again as part of the buffalo rumblings podcasting network and i'll tell you what man it's it's become legit and i'm not just saying this it's become legit must listen for me i listen to it every wednesday morning i get up at six o'clock i drive my son to school i pop it on and then i listen to it all the way back home if i'm not done with the show I keep my phone on and I listen to the rest of it while I start to get ready for the day. Very detailed, very well produced. It sounds great. Great topics. They do some good deep dives and, you know, they just do a really tremendous job of having a fan podcast, a Bills podcast that's run by fans without it coming off and sounding as just a couple of diehard fans that throw together a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. It's not like that. It's very objective, very well done. I talked to Bruce and Nick. I get to know them a little bit today. Lots of interesting stuff, including the fact that neither actually live in Western New York, nor do either have any real Buffalo ties, especially Bruce, who, by the way, has the funniest story I've ever heard on how he became a Buffalo Bills fan to begin with. I mean, you got to hear this story. You want to talk about unique. Wait to hear about how Bruce became a Bills fan. They both live in Cleveland now. They met through work. and ultimately. They put together the Nick and Nolan show, came about at a meeting. I talked to them about their process, how they come up with, and how they execute their show ideas each week. Then, of course, we spent some time actually talking about the Bills, including who all three of us agree with is the team MVP at this point in the season anyway. We talk about the continuity or lack thereof right now that's going on with the Bills offense. We discuss the schedule and how much of a factor is played in the Bills being 5-2 and at this point. And we each have a thought on what we can expect down the stretch with this team. It's really great stuff. But the pair of dudes that I was really excited to hook up and chat with, I'll get to that in just a minute. A few quick things, though, before I got to congratulate the Washington Nationals on winning the World Series. And I rarely, if ever, really talk about baseball on this podcast. But I'm just so impressed. I mean, I, I need to talk about it for a minute here because this is a team that, lost their best player, their franchise guy, Bryce Harper, this offseason. And not only does Bryce Harper leave Washington, but he goes to like their divisional rival, Philadelphia. Washington has been like a World Series favorite for the past handful of years. They couldn't get it done. They lose their franchise guy. They start off the season like shit. 50 games in, they're like 12 games under 500. They look like they're going to be in seller mode. Coming up to the trade deadline, stuff like that. It looks like it's time to start thinking about the future. And then they turn it around. And all they do is they go out 
They are in a wild card spot. They beat Milwaukee in a one game playoff coming, doing it late in the game. Then they go on to the NLDS and they beat the best team in the National League, the Dodgers on the road in a deciding fifth game. Again, on the road, they face the Cardinals in the NLCS and they just absolutely crush them. They sweep them, beat the shit out of them. Then they get to the World Series. They got to go on the road in Houston, best team in baseball this year. What do they do? They win the first two games in Houston. They're like, holy crap, man, it's happening. It's over. Then they come back home, and they lose three straight. Now it's over the other way around. They're done. They're down 3-2, and they got to go beat Jason Verlander and Zach Greinke in Houston. That ain't happening. Well, guess what? It did happen. They won the last two in Houston. Four games in Houston. By the way, the road game. Road team, I should say, won all seven games of that series. That, that's just insane, man. Washington Nationals, first team in the history of baseball to win all four of their games on the road in a World Series. Took out the best two teams in baseball on the road in deciding games, and then they swept the Cardinals for good measure, too. I don't know if it's the best postseason run in history, because as much as it pains me to say it, the year when Boston came back from down 3-0 against the Yankees and won the World Series, that might be the best. Again, I hate saying it, but got to give credit where it's due. But if this isn't the best, it's one of the best postseason runs in MLB history. Well done, Nationals. Well deserved. Happy for them. Uh Buffalo Sabres, quickly here. Haven't really talked much about the Sabres the past few episodes. They've been off since Monday night. Last time out, they lost in a shootout to Arizona. Kind of disappointing there. They return to the ice tonight after four nights off. Sorry, November off at Washington, who leads the entire NHL with 21 points. Buffalo, right there, tied with Boston for second most with 20 points. Should be a great game. Again, the Sabres are, they're still playing very good hockey. They're 9-2-2 after 13 and continuing to play well. Definitely exceeding expectations for most. Most definitely myself, because I didn't see this coming at all. And we're still yet definitely very guarded. With our optimism, especially after watching last year's collapse come to fruition. But I'll tell you, this team and this coach, Ralph Kruger, it just, things feel a little different to me right now. I certainly don't expect them to continue to challenge for the NHL's most points. I don't think they're going to be a president cup contender at the end of the year as they are right now. But I do think it's realistic to expect them to at least be like legitimately in the playoff mix for the duration as long as your key guys stay healthy. Jack Eichel's continuing to ascend towards being one of the league's best players. He's not just the best Sabres player. He's becoming one of the best players in the NHL. He's currently tied for eighth in points. And they're getting good production from the guys that they're supposed to get good production from. Jeff Skinner, lots of worry that him not playing on Jack's line would result in a big dip in goal scoring production. That hasn't happened yet. Dude's got seven goals in 13 games, playing very well with Marcus Johansson. Victor Olsson has kind of struggled some in five-on-five hockey, but he's been a monster on the power play. I think he's got all seven of his goals there. Sam Reinhardt's doing his thing. He's second on the team with 11 points in 13 games. And Rasmus Dahlin has been very inconsistent on the defensive side. What is he, 19 years old to be expected? But he has piled up 10 points, so... Their stars are playing like stars, is what I'm saying. And they've also, and this is the key, pretty good supplementary production from their third and fourth lines as well. 
promising start. And if nothing else, with the Sabres being 9-2-2 two and two, and the Buffalo Bills at 5-2 and two, as this podcast drops, it definitely has the makings of a very exciting fall and winter for Buffalo sports and Buffalo sports fans for sure. This is fun. One last thing, and then I'm going to get to Nick and Bruce. This is about their interview. During the taping of the segment, Bruce's audio, to be honest with you, for a lack of a better term, is is pretty bad, okay? Now, this wasn't his fault at all. In fact, it's completely mine. What happened was I just recently got some brand new gear, some really nice gear, by the way, but I'm still kind of learning the ropes on it, and this is the first time on this podcast ever, actually, first time ever, 166 episodes that I've ever did a taping with two different guys in two different locations remotely at the same time. I did have a podcast in Buffalo with Tim Graham and Jeff Boyd, but we were all sitting together at a table with microphones and uh, one mixer, so that was fine. But this was the first time I ever did two people, two different locations, because Nick and Bruce weren't together for this interview. Anyway, as a result, long story short, the third channel had some audio issues because of a cable, an unbalanced cable, which I had plugged in, which, again, in this case, this was Bruce's audio. And I'll tell you, it's kind of funny because, in reality, Bruce quite literally has one of the best broadcasting voices out there. I mean, this guy sounds like he belongs on the radio. So, anyway, don't let my mistake that kind of, like, screwed up Bruce's audio distract you from what's a really strong interview with a pair of dudes that I'm becoming very big fans of over the past couple months. And on that note, let's get into it now. Quick word from one of our sponsors, followed immediately by Nick and Bruce. Let's do it. Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless. And with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data. Coast to coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65 or four lines for just $45 each, including hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and 50 gigs per line. And for all you travelers, we got you covered in Canada and Mexico. Plus, text and data in over 210 countries worldwide. All with the best phones or bring your own that's pretty awesome get the best user experience on mobile at pulsecellular.com all right my guests today are the co-hosts of the nick and nolan show a growingly popular podcast on the buffalo rumblings podcast network i've become a pretty big fan of this show recently it's become must listen for me every wednesday of course, I am talking about both Nick and Nolan, who combined with me right now make for a really weird podcasting setup today. What's going on, gentlemen? How you doing? Doing great, Pat. Thanks so much for having it. This is Nick, at least. I'm, I can't speak for Bruce, but I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I am also happy to be here. I'll tell you real quick, we had to mess around for people listening. It took us a good 10, 15 minutes to figure this out. I got a brand new machine, and I've never actually done a podcast like this before. I do remote phone and Skype interviews all the time, but I've never had two people on the show at the same time from two separate locations. So if you count myself, we're actually three people, three different locations, all taping here, one big show at the same time. Interesting, but I, I think this is going to work, man. I think it's going to work. Breaking, I'm happy to be here helping you break ground, Pat. That's really what we're here to do, right? We're here to here to break. We're not going to be future award-winning podcasts if we don't take some risks. So here we go. <laughs> well done. And like I said, this is a, a first time for me, kind of weird. Well, I'll do my best to address you guys individually. So 
we don't talk over each other that much. It's kind of hard to do this when you got three different people and you're not like looking at each other, feeding off each other, but we're all pros here, man. We'll get by. I kind of want to start like this. I want to learn a little more about you guys as kind of like the vibe of my podcast, kind of like what I do. We'll definitely get into a little bit of Bill's talk shortly. But before that, again, I want to give fans an opportunity who maybe know very little about you or don't know anything at all about you to learn some more. So here's an interesting thing that I've done in my extensive research here. Neither of you guys live in Buffalo. Nick, you were born in Western New York, but you've lived most of your life not in Western New York, outside of Pittsburgh. And Nolan, you've pretty much, Bruce, I should say, you've lived pretty much everywhere except for Western New York. So where are you guys from originally? That's probably my first question. I'll start with you, Nick. Yeah, so I I was born in Cheektowaga, uh, Vegas, should say. And uh, when I was three, my father worked at U.S. Airways at the time. We got transferred from Buffalo to Pittsburgh. So since I was three years old, uh, haven't been in the in the motherland. Uh, went to high school outside of Pittsburgh, lived all my formative years there, and then I went to college in uh, Canton, Ohio, uh, near the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I met my wife there. Her family's all from Northeast Ohio, so I never left after that. Uh, three and a half years ago, I moved up to Cleveland for work, and uh, I've I've been here ever since. And that's um, you know that's sort of the path that I took that got me to the point where where Bruce and I cross paths, which I'm sure we'll talk about um, after Bruce shares where where he's from. Yeah, Bruce, what's your story? Where are you from? Where did you grow up and stuff? Every time someone asks me where I'm from, I never really know how to answer. I've never spent more than a couple of years at any one place in my entire life. In fact, I think perhaps Cleveland now is the place that I've spent the most time. I was born in Reading, Pennsylvania, which is just west of Philadelphia, and I've lived multiple places over the course of my life, over a dozen different places over the course of my life, including multiple different states. I lived in Central Illinois, lived in Oklahoma, lived in Louisville, Kentucky. I lived in Columbus, Ohio for a while. So I've hit uh, a bunch of different places along the way, but I as well came to Cleveland for work, and that's when Nick and I kind of uh, met each other. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Let me ask you guys this, because this is interesting. So, Nick, you spent the first few years of your life in Western New York, born there, but you didn't grow up there. You're pretty much from Pittsburgh. And like you said, Bruce, you've pretty much been around all over the place, yet you both are Buffalo Bills fans. How did that happen? And, again, let's try to go in order here. I'll, I'll start with Nick. How did you become a Bills fan? Is it because, at the end of the day, this is where you're from and decided that that was going to be the team you wanted to be, or was there one specific incident or player or year or something that really attracted you to the Bills? We'll start with you, Nick. Yeah, well, I really appreciate you letting me go first because my story is way less juicy than Bruce's Ah. or way less interesting. So I'll go first. So the deal is that all of my extended family are from Western New York. Uh, Basically, my, my household, my parents and my sibling and me are the only ones who did not live in Western New York my entire life. And it pains me so badly for you to say that I'm from Pittsburgh because, you know, as far as mathematically, I know that that is true. But I hate Pittsburgh sports so, so much because I grew up in exile, um, you know, so to speak, away from Western New York. And Pittsburgh fans are, uh, I will say, not the most generous of spirit people. And so that that, um, you know, that was tough for me. And I did make a choice, mostly because of my father. My father's a huge Bills fan has been his whole life. He he and my uncles used to sell beer at Old Rich Stadium, um, you know, whenever they were in their late teens, early twenties, and stuff like that. And so he was a huge diehard Bills fan. 
And I just picked that up whenever uh, I started growing up and watching sports and all of that. And really how it started is I used to go with my father to a co-workers of his house way back in the mid to early 90s uh, when I was really young. So a bunch of guys that my dad worked with, a bunch of you know people, families that my dad worked with in Buffalo got transferred from Buffalo to Pittsburgh for U.S. Airways. So there was this little community in, in western uh, Pennsylvania that was originally from western New York. One of the guys had DirecTV way back in the day with like the old satellite that was like the jungle gym, like the thing that was like looked like it was out of the movie Contact. Yeah. He had he had one of those things. And so my dad and I would go over to his house and my dad would watch the Bills games on Sundays. And I would typically play with the guy's kids because he had a couple kids who were my age. And then one day I just decided, no, nah, I'm not going to play with the kids. I'm going to watch the game. It was a game against the Houston Oilers uh, down in the Astrodome. We lost to Warren Moon and Lonnie Johnson, the tight end, had uh, multiple passes go off his fingertips. And uh you know, that's my first Bills memory. And since then, I just never wavered. I, I chose to have my Bills fandom be a part of my identity. And so that became really ingrained in me as I grew up away from my family and away from where I told myself I was from. And, uh, yeah, just it, it never wavered. And eventually, it, you know, I kind of chose to dig my heels in and not convert to a Steelers fan or anything like that. And uh, it's it's stuck with me my whole life. So I was born, like I said, just west of Philadelphia, and growing up, my entire family was Eagles fans. My father was an Eagles fan, my brother's an Eagles fan, my uncle's an Eagles fan, my old cousins are Eagles fans, and at a very early age, my father took me to an Eagles game, and it was Eagles-Browns, and it was a preseason game, and there was a Browns fan sitting a couple rows in front of us wearing a Browns jersey. And the Eagles fans are not known for being overly hospitable. My experience with Eagles fans probably very similarly mirrors Nick's experience with Pittsburgh fans. Yeah. And this, this poor gentleman was subjected to some of the uh, strangest and uh, most, let's just say, negatively slanted fandoms that I had ever seen at that point in my life. I am a very small toddler at this age. And I was shook pretty significantly by what I perceived to be a uniquely bad fan experience. I have since come to learn that there's a lot of fans like that in all areas of sports, but this was particularly scarring to me when I was a young child. I went home and I sat with this for a while, and I was very disappointed that I would feel reasonably uh, affiliated with a team that would allow fans like this at their games. I was very shook as a child. And in my childlike knowledge and logic, I decided that the only reasonable thing to do would be to pick a new team. But how best to pick a new team was the question. So I decided to count up all of my football cards. And whoever I had the most football cards of, I was going to be a fan of that team. <laughs> so I pulled, out, I pulled out my binder. And I decided I was going to count up my cards. And I did it. And I had my mom check my math to make sure it was right. And I had the most Buffalo Bills cards. So I announced to my family that based on my ironclad logic, I was going to be a Buffalo Bills fan moving forward. It's been over 30 years, and I'm still a Bills fan. <laughs> that is awesome. I'll tell you what, that's one of the maybe two best stories I've ever heard about somebody becoming a Bills fan. The other one was Pancho Bilia. He became a Buffalo Bills fan. His dad was a Dallas Cowboys fan. He became a Bills fan because he liked their colors. No other reason. He didn't know any of the other players at the time or anything else. He just liked their team colors. So 
He became a lifelong, you know, Buffalo Bills fan, a love affair with the team over colors. You because you had the most Bills football cards. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all we all have tops and uh, whatever the other uh, you know main brand of football cards that are the manufacturers those those are the those are the people we should all be thanking for having Bruce amongst our fan base. So you guys both end up in Cleveland ultimately. You're both now Buffalo Bills fans. How did your paths actually cross? How did you guys meet each other? So we both work in the same industry. And we were both at, I think we may have been in the same place at the same time previously, but we were both in Nashville, Tennessee on a work trip for like a, kind of like a conference sort of thing. And we were in the same room and everybody who was in that room was from some part of Northeast Ohio, but you know, it could have been, you know, one end, you know, basically at the Pennsylvania border all the way over to, you know, almost Sandusky or something like that. So it's a pretty wide area and we don't all know each other. And I was talking to somebody at the table I was sitting at about the bills and that I, that I was, I liked them or something like that. I don't remember the specifics. Bruce is walking behind me and he stops dead and he like whips around and he goes, you're a Bills fan? And I said, yeah, I'm a Bills fan. And he goes, I'm a Bills fan. I was like, oh, awesome. You're a Bills fan too. And I think that was almost the extent of the conversation. And then after that, you know, we just had something to talk about amongst, you know, the, the work stuff and whatever. Uh, we, we connected more and more and, uh, and then I'll let Bruce add anything additional to that. Well, I mean, I mean, how could you not resist someone who's got a story like me? when you're talking about being a Bills fan. And so Nick and I uh, got a chance to kind of kind of bond over shared experiences and shared uh, shared fandom, and we became friends over the course of that. And then uh, Nick is actually a founding member of the Cleveland Bills backers, and he was much more involved in that than I have ever been. And that was kind of a place that became sort of a home base for us to – watch some Bills games and have some wings and things like that. And then that's kind of where the idea for the podcast kind of came out of that. I was going to ask you that, and I'll direct this to Bruce. What was the inspiration to start the podcast to begin with? Well, we were trying to drum up some knowledge base. It was originally not intended to be anything of any sort of significance. It was intended to be something where the Cleveland Bills backers would kind of have their own little podcast and their own little niche, and it'd be fun, and we all get together and we talk about it and things like that. And I actually suggested it to Nick over lunch one day. We were having lunch, and I was like, hey, you know, we should do a podcast. I think we were at Chipotle. And I said, we should do a podcast. And the second that left my mouth, I was like, oh, no, this is a terrible idea. What, what have you done, Bruce? What have you, what have you just done to yourself? <laughs> because I'm not really somebody who really enjoys doing that. And, but once it got into Nick's ear, it, 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 the seed was planted, and it started to kind of grow and cultivate. And he eventually convinced me to do it. And he said, okay, well, we'll try this one time. We had a big, long discussion in my living room with my wife as a moderator there. And we were having a discussion about how this was going to work, how we were going to do it, what was going to be the logistics, how often, how long, subject matter, roles within the podcast, all this stuff. We wrote it all down. And I said, okay, I I find your terms acceptable, Mr. Bat. (laughs) And I said, okay, I will accept your offer. On a limited time basis, we'll just see how it goes. And we did it, and we really enjoyed doing it. And it just kind of grew from there until Buffalo Rumblings came calling a little bit after the draft. And we got a, a tweet, not a tweet, a direct message from Matt Warren on a Saturday morning, a little bit after the 2018 draft, where, no, to the 2019 draft, sorry, a little bit after the 2019 draft, 
and he said, hey, you know, I, I, I got a chance to listen to your, your pod. Anthony Marino, who's the, one of the podcast editors at Buffalo Rumblings, who also does the Break in Buffalo Rumblings podcast on the network, had suggested to Matt that he listen to our pod, and he did and really liked it, that, hey, would you guys be interested in coming on board? And I hadn't actually finished the entire direct message before Nick had called me and said, did you just get, did, did you get the direct message? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I got the direct message and we were excited. And that's kind of where this whole thing sort of, sort of happened. Was it an easy decision for you guys to join and be part of the Buffalo Rumleys network as opposed to maybe just, you know, doing something on your own? Obviously there's some really good advantages because Buffalo Rumleys is a very well known blog, SB Nation. And it was probably an easy decision for you guys to jump on board with them, right? Yeah. I think that at that point in time, I mean, just being candid, we, we were, we had some people who were giving us really positive feedback with what we were doing uh, as an independent podcast. We called ourselves the Bills Backers Podcast, and people seemed to like us who who gave us a chance and who gave us a try. What happened though was that we, we were growing, but it was such a it was such a grind. I mean, I'm sure Pat, you can relate to this because you are doing this all on your own, and it is you know, a big time grind. Sure. Uh, and we were, we, we didn't have guests or anything. So there were, there wasn't really anything for us to trade on. It was literally our names, which are abbreviated internet handles and nobody knows who we are and we're no entity to be, to be had, you know? So it just had to be that people would somehow stumble across us and decide that they liked us. So it was, it was, you know, keep doing what we're doing, which we enjoy and, and whatever, or we could, joined Buffalo Rumblings and we would immediately inherit an audience that Buffalo Rumblings has done such a, an incredible job building through their blog and everything else that they do. And so, you know, there, it was certainly a discussion about whether or not this was the right thing for us, but it really was pretty easy. And I, I will speak on this. I think Bruce would, would um, agree with me. I have had, had absolutely no reservations or no issues whatsoever since we have joined Buffalo Rumblings. It has turned into an opportunity for each of us to write an article or a column for the for the website every week which has been uh, something that I I enjoy and I think Bruce does as well and the number of people who we get to interact with has skyrocketed as you can imagine being a part of that network and working with Anthony and Matt and any of the other uh, peers that are on that network with us or the other people who are decision makers or have some role within the Buffalo Rumblings infrastructure Everyone has been absolutely terrific, and um, we're you know we really are um, lucky, blessed. You know, pick pick your adjective to have gotten that message from Matt and having had Anthony um, suggest that he give us a try. Bruce, let me ask you this: nerves. All right, was there any anxiety? How it would be received and such? I mean, you put everything into it. You possibly can. The product is done. Your work is done, and now it's out there for anyone in the world to consume should they choose is that a stressful feeling at least at first anyway you don't know how it's going to go over with fans or their nerves is there anxiety or you just relax saying you know what man we did what we could and it's going to be what it's going to be if i said that there were no nerves i'm pretty sure nick would crack up so hard that we wouldn't be able to finish the pot (laughs) (laughs) i was cracking i was cracking up as he asked the question so yeah that's right yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I am a high, I am a high intensity individual as it is. And so given the preparation that I pride myself on and the amount of um, effort that I put into this thing, it's always something that's strange because it, it's your baby. And, you know, if you put your baby out there and everyone tells you your baby is ugly, 
that's going to hurt your feelings a little bit. And that's essentially what the risk you run when you're exposing yourself to a brand new audience who's not used to you. And so I absolutely took the effort level up to the next to the next phase because I really wanted to put forth a good product. Nick and I talked a lot about what we wanted our first episode to be about and how important it was for us to get off on the right foot with the listeners. We decided to do an entire episode on special teams and practice squad because nobody wants to spend any time talking about that. We all want to spend time talking about quarterbacks and flashy things. And Nick and I said, we want to do something different. And so the first off season, the 2019 off season, we specifically wanted to do things that other people weren't doing. We started with special teams, practice squad. We did an entire pod on Sean McDermott's mentality and how he functions psychologically to inform his decisions. We did an entire podcast on Brian Dable and the Earhart Perkins offensive system. We did multiple deep dive, long form podcasts that we were meant to to show the listeners what they could expect from us and the amount of effort and how thorough we were going to be and the care with which we would hold these topics. And that was something that was really important to us. And the reason we did it was because absolutely there were nerves. Well, I'll tell you what, those specific deep dives is one of the things that really made me become a fan of your show. And Nick, I'll tell you what, take us through your typical recording process for the show. Like how does it work each week? You guys get together and for like from start to finish, what's the process of putting together the Nick and Nolan show each week? How does that work? Yeah. So what we do is Bruce and I will text or whatever back and forth, you know, probably between at this point now during mid season, we will text Sunday night and Monday, and then we get together Tuesday after work. We work um, t- closer to each other than we live to each other. So what we do is after work, uh, one of us will go from their workplace to the other one's house uh, and, and shorten that commute a little bit. And, you know, we've had some conversation about what we want to talk about. Typically, we want to talk about what are the big narratives that people are talking about um, around Bill's Mafia, so to speak. And we want to just give our two cents on that for whatever that's worth and, and recap the game a little bit. So we will get together at one of our houses and we'll set up uh, with the – laptop and the two microphones and all of that stuff. Um, and we will, uh, just go into it and we have, you know, some, some places where we want to put breaks in. Hey, this is, this is the, how the sausage is made on podcasting. You know, all about this path, sure. you know, you gotta, you gotta space out where you're going to put your breaks and wh- how you want to fit your ads and try to have a smoother transitions and make sure that the, the conversation is, uh, you know, it makes sense where you're going to stop and then where you're going to pick back up and all of that stuff. So we, we map that out. Bruce again is a person who is a very prepared individual. Uh, and so he typically will have an outline as, as a suggestion that we can deviate from, but it's, it's an idea of how he thinks the conversation will flow and what we're going to talk about and all that. And again, the topics are typically things that we've already both agreed on. We'll actually text each other just like in the middle of, you know, the day or without any other, a conversation happening, we'll just text each other, Devin Singletary playing time narrative. And it's just like, it's just a note for each of us to have like, Hey, this is one of the things I want to talk about. Uh, then we'll sit down and we'll record. Typically we record anywhere. If, if the, if the software, you know, doesn't take a shit on us, which, which absolutely happens. Every sure time. does. Yep. Uh, if that doesn't happen, then we can, you know, typically record for, uh, 70 minutes, 80 minutes, sometimes 90 minutes. The podcast that we just dropped on Wednesday was one of our longer ones. I believe it was around 90 minutes. And so we will record for all of that time. Then we part ways 
and I go back to my house if we didn't record there already and I start editing the podcast Tuesday night. So typically I get home, I don't know, 7.30, 8 o'clock, maybe, maybe 8.30. It just depends on what all was going on with us that, that Tuesday evening with work and everything. And then I will start going through the podcast and re-listening to it. And we do sound bites. That's, that's, you know, a big calling card for us is yeah. we like to, we like to toss in little, little pop culture references and sound bites from internet videos or memes or movies or songs or whatever. And I enjoy them. Um, I enjoy listening to those. That's cool. Yeah, so we, that's another thing that we do that we just think is fun and, uh, there's a little personality for us, you know. Uh, we try not to take ourselves too seriously. We, we, we prepare, but we also know that this is, you know, supposed to be fun. So it's football. It's, it's a game with a ball. You know, we're not, we're not commentating on something that's more serious than that. So I will have to mine, so to speak, for some of those sound bites every now and then if I'm looking for them to be the right quality or blah, blah, blah. You know, it's all, again, this is all like the, the stuff that you 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 are trying to do when you're listening to something through headphones and want it to sound good and all of that, um, and then we we smash it all together and I will upload it. Hope if it's good, if it's a good night and I've I've been efficient, I will upload it before twelve p twelve a.m. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if it is not a good night, which last night was not a particularly good night, mostly because I've got an infant at home now that is uh it, you know takes away some of my time, so I can't just sit and edit nonstop. Uh, but I uploaded it around 1 a.m. So, and then, and then it's there for people whenever they wake up for their Wednesday morning commute. Bruce, I really like that the show is, it's technically, it's a Bills fan podcast run by Bills fans. But here's the thing that I really like about your show. It doesn't necessarily feel like a podcast that's run by Bills fans. It feels to me like a podcast by a few guys that are analyzing the Bills, unafraid to be critical of the team and be sensible, reasonable takes without them being overly emotional all the time. Like, I think that's one thing. And there's a lot of Buffalo Bills podcasts out there, many good ones, but there's some out there where I just feel like fans are being fans too much. They're not being reasonable. They're not being logical with their assessment of the team. But I think one thing that the Nick and Nolan show is really excelling at is being reasonable. And by that, again, I'm saying you're not being overly emotional all the time just as a fan. You're kind of take, removing yourself. You know, a lot of people like in mainstream media, they always talk about when they're covering a team, they remove the fandom. You guys could be Bills fans, but I feel like when you're taping your show, you're removing the fandom from yourselves as you're doing your shows and you're being a lot more objective with your analysis. Would you agree with that? I feel like that's a straight to your show. I would agree with that. And I'm glad you, you said something because that's really kind of what we're going for. And it's not that I have to remove myself from it. It's that it's just my particular brand of fandom. And I think it's Nick's brand of fandom as well. My father oftentimes accuses me. My father and I are both Ohio state Buckeye fans. I am an Ohio state alum and my wife is an Ohio state fan as well. And sometimes my father will come over and he and my wife and I will watch an Ohio state Buckeye game together. And they will accuse me of being what they call a fanalist. They'll say, well, you're not really a fan because they'll ask me, well, you think we're going to win the national championship this year? And I'll say, you know, I don't think we're going to win the national championship. I think, you know, if we get a playoff berth, I think that'd be, you know, a good step forward in this particular year based on the new regime. And they look at me like I, like I have three heads. And they're like, well, where's your, where's your fandom, Bruce? Where's your fandom? And I said, well, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm a fan, but my, my, my flavor of fandom is not to, to, to ride the roller coaster. I don't do well riding emotional roller coasters. Just emotionally, I don't do that well. And so, because I don't do that well, I don't feel 
a ton of need to separate myself from that because that's never been my particular flavor of fandom. And one of the things that Nick and I have done well with is that I find that during bad times, people will like us perhaps, perhaps even more than during good times because during bad times, we'll tell them, Hey, it's okay. It's not as bad as it seems. Yeah. And during good times, we'll say, now I'll pump the brakes. It's not as good as it seems. And so I actually think that maybe fans might like us better when the team is bad. <laughs> but I, that is the particular style. That's the particular framework that we're going for because we don't want you to come to our podcast to consume media that will reinforce your highs and lows. We want you to be able to come here and find balance. And that's the point. We, if you're feeling high and you feel like maybe you're feeling unreasonable on high and you need to kind of take a deep breath, you can come to our podcast. If you're feeling really low and you're feeling like you're just going to throw in the towel on the season, I want you to come to our podcast. And I want you to listen. and I want you to kind of find your way to rebalance yourself. And I think it's very fitting that our podcast falls in the middle of the week because it's a good time for people to step back, take a deep breath, rebalance themselves, and move forward so that you can end up on Sunday ready to go. Now, when you guys, not too long after you launched, you um, you went to Buffalo on a trip, and I remember it very well. It was like around the end of July, very beginning of August, because it was right before I actually came to Buffalo myself, and I did some shows. I did a Wings With series where I met up with some people and taped some shows at Wing wing Joints. You guys did um, shows, I believe, with Matt Perino, Marcel-Louis Jacques from ESPN, Del Reed. Aaron Quinn, who is constantly on my show as well, and Tim Graham, all really good guys. What was that trip like for you, getting a chance to get out, get to Buffalo, tape some shows, get some meets, and, and hang out with some pretty cool people? Oh, I'll take this one, at least to start. Uh, that that was um, that was an opportunity. That was something that we thought about. I mentioned it to Bruce one time as, like, it's, it's really hard to fill content in the dog days of summer because we do these deep dive pods, but those are also a significant amount of work. And, like, we have jobs and, like, and families and, like, other stuff to do, you know? So it's not um, always the easiest thing for us to do that week in, week out to the extent that we have in at certain points. So I suggested, you know, Bruce never having been to Buffalo for any extended period of time, he's gone to games, was a season ticket holder at one point, but never, you know, lived there. He He's had the the occasional buffalo item, like he had had Mighty Taco and stuff like that. But food is such a uh, – it's probably this true – this is probably true of a lot of, of communities and cities. But in Buffalo, food is very much a part of – what the culture there is about. Like yep. you can identify who people are and what, you know, how genuine or how authentic or whatever you want to say by, you know, kind of where they land with their familiarity on some of that stuff. And so I pitched to Bruce, Hey, what if we do like this series of like turning you into a, like an honorary Buffalonian by taking you up there and exposing you to all this stuff. And then in order to make that more interesting, we said, well, why don't we also reach out to some interesting people that people, you know, that our, our listeners may be interested in hearing from. And we'll kind of do these, uh, you know, we'll do these these joint pods with these guys. So it was um, awesome as far as an experience to meet some of those guys. I mean, like I, we, I think are, um, you know, I, I'm so glad to have either um, a, a friendly acquaintance or a legitimate friend with some of these people that we were able to sit down with and have food with um, while, during our trip there. I will say that, like technically, 
your trip was far more advanced and, and smoother than what, what we uh, tried to do. We were perhaps a little hasty with how we uh, how we tried to throw everything together because one of the visits that we did, we actually went to Barbell with uh, the guys from Rockpile Report and uh, Kyle Trimble from Banged Up Bills. And we that audio, it was so loud in there and the the apparatus that we were using was really insufficient. So that audio literally never saw the light of day because it just wasn't, it wasn't good enough. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, and so then I, then a couple of weeks later, like you said, you went up there and I listened to your first episode. I think your first one you dropped was with Sal yeah. at, uh, at a, at a wig place. And oh, it, was so, it was so clear. And I was like, Oh my God, this is, I'm glad we went first because I would, we would suffer so much by comparison on the back end. Um, but yeah, it was an awesome time. And I'll let Bruce just talk about his experience doing it because it really, you know, part of it was about introducing him to those things. Uh, but it was, you know, it was really, really awesome. And I'll, you know, just man crush a little bit because of Tim Graham. I mean, he is, um, a giant as far as long form stuff. He was, he was everybody's favorite or, you know, number one follow whenever the team was being sold. The Daryl Talley piece that he wrote was, you know, so influential and so powerful. Um, it was really, really awesome for us to meet him. And he was incredibly generous to us when we met him at uh, Charlie the Butcher. So it was um, a really, really positive experience all the way around. Well, I'll tell you what, man, all the guys you mentioned, and I've had them on my show and they've, they've been great guests, but one in particular, Tim Graham, he really is. He's that guy, man. He will, he'll do anything he can to help anyone out. It doesn't matter if you have a project that you're working on, man. You can have 5,000 followers on Twitter. You can have five followers on Twitter. doesn't matter. He's always down to help you out. He's always been one of those types of guys. And I'll tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I was quite jealous of you guys. Didn't you tape your show with Tim Graham at uh, Charlie the Butcher? I'm yes, pretty, we did. Yeah, I was incredibly jealous of that. I was already committed to these wing shows at specific wing places that had already been worked out. I was kind of pissed off and jealous because I didn't have you know, because I was so committed to this chicken wing goddamn thing that I've been doing every time I get to <laughs> Buffalo that I don't literally, I don't have anything else. And that's kind of been a downfall in the way. Like, I don't get to go out and have pizza in Buffalo when I get in town or Beef on Weck, which I dearly miss. It's always chicken wings, and it's always a new place. Like, there's places I go, and I love these places, but I can't go to them because i got to always try new places to put them in. The stupid power rankings. But anyway, yeah. Wait <laughs> the, to, the, the Stinger sub too. I mean, that's one thing that I yeah. think was a dark horse for us, uh, for Bruce to be something that was going to be like a, a favorite walking away. That was our first stop with Del Reed. And I think that at the end of the day, the Stinger sub was number two. Bruce did a power rankings of all of the foods. And I think that the Stinger sub was number two on the power rankings for Bruce overall. <laughs> I'll tell you. Obviously, I live in Florida, and this is primarily a Buffalo sports podcast, so usually I got Buffalo people on, or when I travel to Buffalo, I do live shows, but Del Reed is the one person, actually, since I've started this, and that was in, like, February of 2018, who was actually in Florida, and I met up with him in Florida, and we taped the show, so yeah, man, you want to talk about a really special guy, Del Reed. Generally speaking, and Bruce, I'll direct this to you, how's the feedback been generally speak with the podcast. I mean, it feels pretty good from where I stand. I'm always on Twitter and I'm constantly seeing people give you guys credit for putting out a good show as they should, because it is a good show. And it also kind of feels like in a way you guys have kind of, how do I say it? You guys have kind of like come out of nowhere to be honest with you. I mean, I remember when the show first started and I do remember that special teams um podcast episode, by the way. And I was like, all right, okay. And other Bill's podcast, put it alongside the 10,000 other ones, including mine. 
And, uh, but I'll tell you, as it went on and I really started to deep dive into your shows and get into the content, I was like, this is really winning me over. And I kind of feel like that's the general sentiment right now, at least from what I can gauge on Twitter. It seems like more and more people are out there giving you guys props, which again, you really do deserve that. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the show now. I've been singing your praises for quite a bit now. So congratulations on that. But overall, the feedback, you feel like it's where you want it to be right now? The feedback has been overwhelmingly gracious, and I, I'm, I'm unsurprised because that's who Bill's Mafia is. And we've had this discussion with other content creators about one of the joys of producing content for a fan base like Bill's Mafia is that there doesn't seem to be an oversaturation problem that you might think that there might be as you look around at the podcast because if it's good, they will consume it. Yeah. You know, um, there's other people who have a chance to, to serve other fan bases where the interest level is simply just not that high. If you're a, a, someone who serves the Carolina Panthers fan base, for example, or something, much more casual fan base, not quite as rabid, right? There are limits to what they will consume. And with Bill's Mafia, that is not the case. And they have been unbelievably generous to us. And part of that, I think, has been the generosity of other media members and content creators. The fact that Tim Graham was willing to sit down and have a discussion with us about the selling process and about the time he got a chance to talk to Donald Trump and about the, the, the scenario with Richie Incognito in the locker room and all these things. The fact that he was even willing to talk to us gives you credibility for the fact that he's shown you grace. And so Bill's Mafia being as, as much of a defend their own sort of fan base as they are, they think, well, you know, if Tim's good with you, then I'm good with you. I'll give you a chance. And the graciousness by which Bill's Mafia has been willing to give us a chance is, I think, really unmatched when it comes to this. I've lived in a lot of different cultures. I have lived in a lot of different media markets. And it's not strange for me to say that, that their graciousness is unmatched and unparalleled across the country. The feedback has been very positive. We're really excited about it. Obviously, it just forces Nick and I to do better. And I can't tell you how many times we'll be done with a podcast and Nick will look over to me. I'll be, I'll be shaking my head a little bit and, and he'll go, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm, we, we got to record this again. They deserve better. And we, we take that very seriously. We don't take ourselves overly seriously, but we do take the, the, the responsibility that we have to these people very seriously to provide them with good content and to provide them with, with things that they're supposed to find balance between something that's entertaining and something that's informative and something that's analytical, because it's very hard to find all of those things. You might be able to find one of them, but being able to find all of them in one podcast is something that we always wanted to do. We wanted to be able to say, Hey, we need to be able to talk enough about the X's and O's to be able to have a a good conversation about that. Hey, we need to make sure that we have a little bit of fun here. Let's try these things. Hey, we need to make sure we talk about fan experience. One of the things that Nick does really well is he's able to talk about fan experience on an emotional and psychological level. And that helps us there. I'm a little bit, I have a tendency to sometimes be a little bit cold and Nick can kind of warm that up a little bit because he's wired differently than I am. Nick and I are very, very, very different people. And because we're so different, it kind of makes it work. And the feedback from fans on that has been wonderful. Before we wrap up, I do want to hit on a couple Buffalo Bills topics. Not going to deep dive into the team right now. That's you. That's every Wednesday. People should be listening for that. But I do got a couple topics for you. One, 
I ran a poll on Twitter earlier this week asking who the Bills MVP is as we near the midpoint of the season after seven games. I wanted to get thoughts from each of you on this. I'll start with you, Nick. Okay, the poll went like this. There were three candidates. It was Trey White, John Brown, and Micah Hyde, and then I had a fourth category for other. The voting went, and I was at least a little bit surprised about this. Trey White won. He got 41% of the vote. And then John Brown was second with 27, Micah Hyde 25, and then other, like, writing candidates consumed uh 7% of their vote, which, by the way, a couple people did add the NFL schedule makers are the team MVP right now, which I man, that's, that's a pretty, that was pretty witty by a couple people who said that, but. Yeah, it is. It's really good. I, any, I love it. I anyway, love it. if you were in charge right now, if you were writing a column, giving out Bill's MVP right now, out of those three, I'll start with you, Nick. Who do you think right now should win team MVP and briefly why? Okay. So I'm going to talk this out loud is this is how I, this is how I'm going to think about it. Um, I would have to say, so you're talking about the defense. I, I definitely would say, in my opinion, that Micah Hyde is responsible for so many other people on the defense that he would probably get a little bit of a boost over Trey White for me. Trey White is, you know, a play, having a great year and, and doing well, and he's creating turnovers, which was the knock on him coming into this year. Like, if he's going to take the next step, that next step needs to be he's he's getting the offense, the ball back, you know, um, and, and truncating other other teams drives. So he's, he's doing well, but I think that Micah Hyde has such a leadership responsibility and is, uh, the guy who keeps the defense, you know, in the way that it should be along with Trey Edmonds. So between those two, it would definitely be Micah Hyde. And then you're talking about John Brown over Micah Hyde. And I, you know, it's tough. My, John Brown has been such a good free agent signing and he really has been I mean if you take away the production that he's given us or the the passes I made this tweet I was offhanded the other day uh that was saying like when John Brown catches the ball out away from his body when he's running across the field he will just reach out and snag it and it's like he's got stick them on his hands I mean they they just really do not bounce off his hands and then and then hit the ground and Duke Williams was running a very similar route this past week and the ball went right off his hands and it was it, it was an immediate moment for me it was like man I it is so nice to have a guy like John Brown and he really has brought that to the def, to the offense and it, without that reliability if those passes weren't being completed and Josh Allen's stat sheet was suffering as a result even if the passes looked the same you can imagine how at least the box scorekeepers and the people who are evaluating Josh Allen largely by the numbers would be um you know, it, it would be a lot harder right now for Bills Mafia yeah. if uh, if we didn't have those completions and that production from John Brown. I'm still going to go with Micah Hyde because John Brown, the thing that we haven't had, and I don't know that it's necessarily John's John's fault, but John Brown is a great guy at tracking deep balls. He's a great deep ball threat. He's a he's a speedy guy, but that hasn't been a part of our offense. He's been contributing in other ways, which is a great surprise. But if he had the whole package right now, I think it would be. Uh, I would be a lot more comfortable with considering him the overall team MVP, but because um, that one area of his game is still leaving me wanting, I'm going to go with Micah Hyde. What about you, Bruce? I'm going with Micah Hyde, too. One of the issues with the most valuable player discussion is you have to kind of you have to kind of define valuable, and so you know MVP means different things. In other leagues, I mean, the league MVP award is oftentimes 
joked around as being the quarterback from the team with the best regular season record. And in the NBA, you know, most valuable player is, you know, the most statistically impressive scoring player that is on a team who's going to make the playoffs. Right. And so valuable is very strange. And so if you ask me, I'm going to start with defining valuable. And what I mean by valuable is if you were to remove them from the equation, it would have the most significant effect on the team. And in this case, I think the answer is Micah Hyde, not just because he is a versatile safety who can do it all. He can play in the box. He can make run fits. He has the leadership ability. He can make sure everyone's lined up in the correct places. He has ball skills. The guy tricked arguably the greatest quarterback of all time into throwing an incredibly you know, embarrassing interception against the Patriots. If you take Micah Hyde off this defense, I don't think Tremaine Edmonds looks as good. I know Levi Wallace doesn't look as good. Tredavious White probably doesn't look as good. And Jordan Poyer doesn't look as good. And if those players don't look as good, the defense isn't as good. And if the defense isn't as good, we're not 5-2. and two. So that's my logic that says Micah Hyde's the MVP. All right. I can agree with that. I don't want to spend a lot of time. In fact, I'm not going to spend any real time talking about Josh Allen because if we do that, we could actually be here until you guys tape your next show yeah. <laughs> next next Tuesday. But what yeah. I I do want to hit on something that Sean McDermott had talked about in his press conference this week, saying that part of the reason why the offense is, I don't want to say struggled, maybe that's a strong word, but they've been inconsistent. I think that he would agree with that is because an offense with so many new pieces takes time for continuity. Now, there's certainly a case to be made for that. The offensive line is completely redone. Cole Beasley's new. John Brown's new. Both tight ends are new. Devin Singletary's new. Frank Gore's new. Basically, the entire offense is new is what I'm saying. How much stock do you put into that, that the reason why the Bills' offense, if if it's not struggling, it's certainly inconsistent. In fact, wildly inconsistent at times right now. How much stock do you guys put into that being because this is new? And then McDermott's right. It does take time to build continuity. Or do you think there's just missing parts right now that this offense can be together for five years and not much is going to change? I don't think that I would necessarily put as much stock into it if it was not the offense that it is. And if you look at Brian Dable's offense, there are a lot of things that indicate that feel and chemistry matter. If you want to take the easy comparison, we can go over to New England and look at their offense and look at the comfort level that Brady has with Julian Edelman versus the comfort level that Josh Allen has with Cole Beasley. And when you have intermediate option routes and you have you know, option routes that have to be run in different ways against different coverages, and you have a quarterback who's still learning to read the coverage the same way that the receiver does, I think those things matter. I think if this was a different offense, most notably, I think if this was Rick Dennison's offense, I don't think I would put as much weight into it as I do with it being Brian Dable's offense. I can, I can ascribe to that. I'm not saying I'm completely pacified by that answer, but I can ascribe to that feeling that chemistry matters and having pieces together for a long time matters, especially when you consider the fact that a lot of these pieces weren't even present during offensive install in the summer. You know, Cole Beasley and core surgery and things like that. I think there are other things going on that seem to lead in credence to that Tyler Cross foot. And there's, there's all these things that say, okay, maybe I'm not necessarily going to use that as an excuse per se, but that doesn't mean that there's not something to it. I, I think that in addition to that, I would say that the continuity matters 
in my eyes, a lot more for the skill position players than it does for the offensive line. And I think that the offensive line, although better than last year, because last year was the worst we had seen in maybe ever, that there's still a lot of work to be done on the offensive line, uh, specifically at the at least right tackle position uh, and potentially at left guard as well. And, and depending on how you feel about Deion Dawkins, that could be an area where you want to make an adjustment of some sort, whether it's moving him you know, uh, to the other side or, or, or something similar. So I think that um, continuity for the offensive line is not necessarily the the reason for the issues that it is experiencing and the struggles that come for the offensive keeping drives alive and, th- and things like that because of the offensive line is is letting guys uh, come free or you know they're not getting any push whenever we're trying to establish the run I think that that is very much you have this offensive line together for five years I don't know that you're going to get a whole lot more out of them just because they've been around each other for longer. Right. I wanted to read a stat that I saw on Twitter this week from Ryan McChrystal, the Bleacher Report. Fewest snaps per turnover or penalty in the league. Cleveland is the lowest, 7.5. Then it was the Jets at 9.0. Washington, 9.4. Buffalo, 9.7. And Atlanta, 11.1. I found this interesting because there's clearly a, like a direct collation in this stat with losing a lot of football games. All these teams I just mentioned, Cleveland's two and five, the Jets are one and six, Washington and Atlanta are both one and seven right now, but the Bills are five and two. How much of that is attribution to this defense and how well they are and how well they played for the most part, minus maybe the Philly game? And how much of this, if we're being honest here, is just because they flat out have had a very easy schedule right now? I'll throw it to you, Bruce. I think there's both of those things at play. I made a comment jokingly and offhandingly on the podcast not too long ago that essentially this defense this year has served as bulletproof boots for the Buffalo Bills who are attempting to shoot themselves in the foot, but the defense was good enough that it wouldn't let them. And it was kind of an offhanded, jokingly comment, but the more I think about it, the more I think, okay, that's that's actually not bad when you think about it because the defense – hanging around and and making sure that Josh Allen's fourth quarter heroics can show up has allowed us to be five and two. We're a couple bounces away from being two and five. So the fact that we're five and two, despite that stat that has a direct correlation to teams being bad means that the defense thus far has been good enough to protect our foot from the attempt to blow a hole directly through it from those things. Because a lot of those penalties are pre-snap penalties. A lot of those turnovers are, you know, offensive things that put the defense in a bad spot. You know, it's not like we're, we're intercepting a ball and then we're screwing up the interception. That's not what happens here. It's Josh Allen with ball security or it's a pick or things like that. And so thus far, the defense and the schedule have worked in concert to be able to protect our foot from the attempted Josh Allen offensive bullets directly through the toes. And I think that there's both of those things, but I think one of those things is about to go away, and that is the schedule. One of those things is about to be removed, which means you know, you're starting to pull something out of the equation. Something else has to change in order to continue winning, which means the defense has to either get better, which I don't know if that's necessarily easy to ask them to do, or the offense has to take the step forward. And we're hoping in the second half of the season, as the schedule knob gets turned up, it will be canceled out by the progression in the offense to keep us winning. All right, last thing here, and then I'm going to let you guys go. So we got Washington coming to Buffalo this week. 
Redskins stink here. I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know, but you can bet the house that they're going to come to Buffalo Sunday looking to run Adrian Peterson until his legs literally fall off his body after, especially after what we saw last week. You got to assume the Bills are going to win the game. I mean, maybe it's a little premature to say that, but let's assume they do. They're 6-2 and two halfway through the season. You know the schedule, the second half. It gets tougher, like Bruce just alluded to. How close are we at 6-2 and two at the halfway point in the season to telling fans, you know what, start saving your holiday money right now for a road playoff trip? I'll, I'll end it with both of you. I'll start with you, Bruce. I think that because of the way it fell in the first half of this season, if the Bills take care of business, if they beat the teams that they should beat, we can get a wild card spot. If we start to drop games, that we shouldn't drop. If we have embarrassing, that, that soul-crushing Kansas City loss that feels like happens to the Bills um, halfway to two-thirds of the way through every single season, yep. if we have one of those to a team like Washington or Denver or perhaps even Cleveland, you know, who is you know having fire problems of their own, I think that if those things start to happen – then that means you have to make it up by beating teams you're not supposed to beat. You know, if we lose to Washington, then that means we might mean we might have to steal one from the Cowboys or the Patriots. And as you start to lose games to teams you shouldn't lose to, it puts more pressure on you to win games against teams who you probably shouldn't win against. So if we take care of business, we can do this. But every game is one game away from putting an unnecessary level of pressure on you, especially when you consider the fact that it's unlikely the Bills are going to have a shot at this division. Yeah, I, I'm I'm quite confident that the Bills are going to be a wild card team. I, I the reason that I'm I'm confident for a handful of reasons. One obviously is the schedule. The second part is though we have already positioned ourselves well. The reason you know what Bruce just said, if we lose games we shouldn't, then we have to win games that we shouldn't. Well, we have really taken care of business, you know, and that started in Week One against the Jets. Now the Jets have turned out to be a complete dumpster fire, uh, and. That was not the expectation going into the season, though. The expectation going into the season was people were saying they were going to challenge New England somehow. Uh, and I never really bought into that, but that was a popular narrative. So at that point in time, th- this was meaningful progress whenever we beat the Jets and the Giants and, and uh, the Titans and all of that kind of stuff. So we have put ourselves in the position where we can still lose the games we quote unquote should, and we will still have a really good shot at nine and seven, 10 and six. And with how weak the AFC is, when you just look at the environment around us, if there is a if there is a year where you can do that and potentially not even get the sixth seed, but get the fifth seed in the, in the AFC, this is that year. And I think that even though we lost to Philadelphia and that's a gut shot and, you know, that's a tough thing to swallow. The fact is that the way that this is going so far with the coaching staff that we have, the accountability and the culture that Sean McDermott has brought to the organization, I expect that some of the things that we have had issues with will get righted. Now, there will probably be more weaknesses that are exposed, but all in all, when you mash it all together and put it in the blender, I still expect that this is going to be a wild card team at the end of this season. All right, good stuff. Everyone out there, follow Nick on Twitter at NickBat. 
and follow Bruce on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive. Again, the Nick and Nolan Show every Wednesday on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. I cannot say this enough to people out there who might not have heard your show. It's a good one, man. You can tell today by listening to this, but you got to hear them on their own. They are absolutely amazing, and it's a must-listen podcasting consumption on Wednesdays. I can't thank you guys enough for coming on the show. Appreciate both of you. Thank you, Pat. It really was a joy for us to be on with you. And, and um, you talked about us coming out of nowhere, you know, uh, to come out of nowhere and a couple of weeks later or a couple of months later, sorry, to say that we are, you know, uh, somebody that, that gets, you know, your time uh, is very meaningful to us. So thanks so much for the invitation and letting us come on. Thanks so much for having us, Pat. I echo Nick's sentiments exactly. We're fans and we appreciate the the role that you fill for Bill Ma- Bill's Mafia. And we're, we're honored that you feel the, you know, the, the, the need to even have a discussion with us about it. And uh, we, we appreciate your support. It means a lot to us. Hi, I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the podcast about broadcast. Every week since 2016, we've been bringing on broadcast leaders to talk about their experiences in radio, what they've seen, and where they believe it is all going. If you live and love radio, subscribe to the Sound Off Podcast with Matt Kundal wherever you get your podcasts. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Big thank you again, Bruce and Nick, from the Nick and Nolan Show on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. I've said it a couple times throughout the show. If you're a Buffalo Bills fan, this is a podcast that you really need in your life. Real good stuff. So thanks again, guys. Coming up on the show next week, next Tuesday, I'm going to be doing Buffalo Bills Midseason Awards. I'm going to do that with my man, Aaron Quinn, from Cover One. And then on next Friday's show, I'm going to have Mary Kay Cabot with me, longtime Cleveland Browns beat reporter for Cleveland.com, and, of course, the Cleveland Plain Dealer see what she's up to and uh, get you ready for Buffalo Bills Cleveland Browns game that Sunday guys if you haven't done so already please subscribe to this podcast new episodes every Tuesday and Friday you subscribe you're going to get those episodes before anyone else does we're available Apple Google Play iHeartRadio Stitcher Spotify pretty much anywhere future award-winning podcasts are found don't forget to rate and review the podcast as well also check out Moran Analytics podcast on our YouTube channel Besides highlight clips from current and past episodes of this podcast, we now have tons of original audio content exclusive to that channel. Not going to find it anywhere else. So again, that's on YouTube. Type in Analytics Podcast. Hit that little red subscribe button down. Little bell right next to it. And then last but not least, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Tweets. Constantly tweeting out podcast updates, upcoming guests, polls, all kinds of other stuff, including giveaways now, like I said at the top. This week, it's Macy's Place Pizzeria. All you got to do is follow me on Twitter, follow them, hit that retweet button, and you have a chance to win some wings and pizza from one of the best places in Western New York. And we'll be having similar contests like that all the time. So again, at Tamaran Tweets. Thanks again for listening. I say it all the time. I truly mean it. I appreciate each and every single one of you that take time from your day, no matter where you are, to download this podcast, give it a listen. It's just so incredibly humbling and i'm very thankful have a good weekend hopefully we'll have some positive buffalo bills news to talk about on next tuesday enjoy yourself i'll catch you on the flippity flip bye